I, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. Um, well, actually, you probably are going to get two sermons, but <laughs> Lyndon said, don't worry about it. He preaches for about an hour, and I, 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 I you know, so I didn't know if that was true or not, but I'm a little nervous about it. Um, what we decided was to, uh, I'll try to give you an update on Christian City for a few minutes, but then want to preach, and so it's kind of a teaching sermon, so it's a, it's a few minutes, so if y'all need to get up and stretch, walk around, feel free. I'm having a heck of a time with this thing. It just fits your ear, but not my ear, I guess. I don't know. Um, I just real quick wanted to just find out if there were any Tennessee fans in here. Oh, okay, all right, well, good. That's, uh, that's, that's yeah, there. That's fine. It's just we've been in the desert a long time, and so it's just exciting to, you know, so I just thought there might be somebody that would share that joy with me, the joy of the Lord. Uh, resurrection is what that's called. All right. Um, Alabama fans? I should not have, I should have not started. Yeah, I know, shouldn't have started. Yeah, it's going to be an it's going to be interesting the next few weeks. Next few weeks, I did uh, I, I, at last year at that uh, ball game with uh, uh, Tennessee and Alabama. I sat. Uh, I got last minute tickets. I sat next to three Alabama guys, and so uh, you know I talked to everybody, and we were just sitting there, and they just said, I, you know, where are you from? And they said, you know, and they said, oh, Alabama. And I went, oh, oh, my gosh, Alabama. <laughs> I said, I've got a great Alabama joke, you know, because I'm just trying to be friends. And the guy says, man, let me tell you something. Do you see us? I am 6'4", 225 pounds. This is my brother who's six foot, 208 pounds, and he played left guard at Alabama. And that's our other cousin over there who weighs 220 pounds and is six foot tall, and he played tackle at Alabama. He said, do you want to tell that joke? I said, well, no, not if I have to explain it three times. Okay, so, uh, sorry, y'all, I had to throw somebody under the bus, and uh, you can fill in, you can make that any team you want to, you know, so, uh, I do, okay, I've got one more, so, uh, so Rocky Top, we play Rocky Top for everything, all right, everything, everything, 20 times a game, even if we're losing, we play Rocky Top, so uh, these two guys were on death row, they were both headed, you know, to the chair, and funny way to start a joke, but, um, uh, the uh, chaplain, they got down there, the, chap, the warden said, well, each of y'all get one last request. And, uh, and the Tennessee, he said, what are your last requests? And the, uh, the Tennessee guy said, oh, man, if I could hear Rocky Top one more time. And he said, well, to the Georgia guy, well, what about you? He said, kill me first. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, okay, all right, okay, okay, okay. Lyndon, let's... Let's go with those slides, my friend. So, uh, Christian City, uh, just a quick overview there. Uh, 500 acres. The next slide says that we've got 1,000 people, I think, living on our campus. And uh, you all have been supporting for many, many years. We're 58 years old this year. We're in our 58th year. We started with just a little house. Uh, a physician donated some land. And... Um, it, 
50 acres and we just kept, he donated more and we bought and traded and everything and God has just had his hand on this for, for so many years. All right, we're going to fly through this. Uh, let's see what we got next. So um, we do have assisted living. If anybody's uh, interested uh, there, we've got a wonderful program. All right, we have uh, is 200-bed uh, uh, skilled nursing, um, which typically stays full, so you kind of need to get on that, that list. Um, then we have... Uh, 200, I think, 67 uh, apartments for uh, subsidized housing. These are folks low, uh, below a certain income level, and the uh, government subsidizes their housing so they can live in dignity. It's not luxury, but, but they're part of our family on Christian City Campus. <clears throat> and um, so you can retire, sell your home, come and retire in a, a triplex, quadruplex, and, um, you know, there's all different uh, garages and all different kinds of ways to live there. But all you do is pay a maintenance fee and live out your days there. And we have Graceland Thrift Store and all of the money that goes, uh, goes to our children and family programs, which should be coming up now. Let's see. Yes. So here's what we have with our children. And this is typically what most people are supporting. We have uh, residential uh, this, this is a picture of our, of our, we call them cottages, but they're nice homes. And the kids come and stay with us. Sometimes they stay three weeks, three months, three years. I'm sorry, I'm talking fast. I want to get to the Holy Spirit sermon here. So I'm, okay. And then um, uh, the next part of our, uh, so that's a picture. They all, uh, they go to church. They, uh, we just had three of our uh, kids baptized just a few weeks ago. Very exciting. But they have devotions. They pray together. We don't force anybody um, because we get kids from all different backgrounds. But it's an atmosphere. It's an expectation. It's, it's a, a, a community. All right. Let's see what else we got. What's that? So the, the houses are, we have a a couple, that's their full-time job, mom and dad, a full-time job, so they don't go out and do anything else. So these kids go to the dentist, they go to school, they, and they go to different schools. It's a long story, but kids go to the schools that fit their needs, um, and they go to counseling, they play football, they're in the theater, and so some are with us a long time, some are with us just a few weeks, but uh, they're in a home setting, and there's eight kids per cottage. Safe place is a program around Metro Atlanta. We have an agreement with all of the YMCAs in, and then with all of the QT gas stations. If a teenager comes in in trauma, they call Christian City. We come and pick that kid up within an hour. They stay with us a maximum of 21 days. And if they are not reunified with their family, they'll go into our residential program or they'll go into our foster and adoption program, which should be the next slide. And that's Crossroads, Foster and Adopt. We're a fully licensed agency. There's five agencies in the state that have a unique contract. We're one of them. Four of those are faith-based. And so we go out and recruit couples. If you're interested in fostering or adopting, our, our group can help you. And then this is really important, and this is really taking off. Uh, when a kid ages out of the foster care program, many of them do not have a family that's strong to follow them. 18, 19, 20 years old, they're not always adults yet. And this is a program where they live on our campus, they must work, they pay us rent, and um, 
but we sort of return that to them at the end. We try not to tell them that, but um, we connect them. Uh, we've got Goodwill North Georgia that's working with us, and we uh, connect them with uh, employers who are mentors, not just not just giving them a job, but uh, trying to guide them. So that's a really important. A lot of folks who end up in trafficking uh, have foster in their background, and um, we're, we're trying that important piece of after they've aged out of the system, the state no longer is following them. We're trying to provide that, uh, that, that piece of in-between. Okay, and I didn't, I didn't put the new picture in. This is all done, that's groundbreaking, but Delta came in and uh, helped us renovate one of our cottages. We have a home for adults with autism, and my wife works in that world. She said we could fill our campus with adults with autism. And this is the older couple who has a 40-year-old son or daughter. What's, where are they going to live? Where are they, where they going to be? It's so awesome. Christian-based program. It's incredible. I love it. We're so excited about it. And um, th this is what, when you, when you are giving sacrificially and sending that to Christian Seed, those are the kinds of programs, those are the kinds of things that, that you're underwriting. And I wish the needs would stop. I've been around a long time. They just keep coming. Um, kids from poverty, kids abused, kids neglected, families in trouble. We're there as a safety net. Okay, one question. I, you noticed I didn't say any questions because we're going to preach. Do you still have your Alzheimer's? Yes, yes, yes. Every unit uh, on our uh, assisted living and skilled nursing is being renovated, every floor. Uh, it's going to be a ton of money. Now, a lot of that is with our partner. I'm sorry. I just, I hate when I, when, you know, oh, anyway, you go to a concert and they're messing with that the whole time. It drives me okay, okay, okay. Did that answer your question? Okay, all right. Okay. So, uh, we're going to get rolling here. Y'all, wonderful group. I sat in on Sunday school. Teacher did a great job. I don't know his name, but, uh, and, and a lot of good discussion. I, it was really neat to hear, um, yeah, to hear the, uh, the depth there. Okay. Um, so thank you on behalf of Christian City. Um, so anybody, uh, we'll do this, we'll do this. Anybody watch Undercover Boss? I just want to do this real quick. Okay, yeah, so I've got a picture here. This is sort of Undercover Boss. So the story, what happens is you got this fellow who owns the company, uh, or he's the CEO, and uh, it could be Popeye's Chicken or Costco or something. And then what they'll do uh, is they'll dress them up. Now, this one went pretty well, but if you watch the show, they have the worst makeup artist ever. For a show that's supposed to do people for undercover, it is the worst. It's like the most fake mustache and the worst wig. Everybody's agreeing with me that watches the show. My wife and I are like, do they spend any money? on <laughs> The whole idea is for this guy not to be recognized. Anyway, uh, so they'll dress him up. He goes in. Or he or she, they go in and they hang out and they help make the chicken or whatever it is, and then they meet, you watch them, uh, the, the cameras are there, and then, then they meet different employees, and some of them are good, and then some of them are not so good, and at the end, then he pulls off the wig, and you're fired, <laughs> which is awesome. 
Uh, no, not. Uh, but then there's always really a cool story, like the single mom raising the kids or the guy who's really sacrificed, you know, and didn't get to finish college or whatever it was. And they'll say, well, here's $10,000 or here's $30,000 or here's a car, you know, and, and it's so cool. And, and, and I want to say this respectfully, but it just seems to me, and my wife and I talk about this a lot, it just seems to me like a lot of these folks, they, it's almost like no one has ever given them a gift. And it's, they, I mean, so many of them start weeping, and then the CEO starts weeping, and, you know, and, and my wife starts weeping. I'm not, of course, because, you know, but, um, but we're all weeping because there's this gift being given and being received and being appreciated. And, and so where that takes us today is to talk about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is a gift. He is a person, a, a part of the triune God, and He is a gift to us. And often, and, and I think I'm among friends here, uh, there are different religious traditions that emphasize the presence and the gift of the Holy Spirit more than others. We, we have not, Christian church has been pretty pretty absent in this discussion. Uh, it's sort of like Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And um, the Holy Spirit is an equal member of uh, the uh, triune God, and we want to see the blessing and uh, awesomeness that uh, He brings to us. So we're going to do a little theology today, and um, we're going to start off with the word sanctify. Sanctify means to set apart, uh, to be holy. Now, sanctification <clears throat> happens twice. Uh, now, think about a, a rocket taking off, and we all know that you know the incredible amount of energy that's expended to get that thing off the launch pad, and so that is that initial sanctification. That is initially meeting Jesus. That's a, a faith, repentance, baptism, uh, a, an, a, a releasing of. Uh, control, yielding, yielding your life to, to Jesus, the power that comes in. And many of us can remember it wasn't overwhelming. Uh, it wasn't maybe not always dramatic. It may have not have been a, a, um, a, a giant lifestyle of sin. And so sometimes there's not all. Some, for some of us, it was a dramatic conversion. For others, it, it was sort of a seamless conversion. And yet, all of us probably remember a, a sense of power, a sense of of, of uh, redemption, of going from darkness to light, to, to embracing truth. That's that initial sanctification. There are other words in the Bible for that. Uh, justification is one, a, a release from our guilt of sin and punishment. But that, that uh, time when Jesus comes into our life, that is that initial sanctification. But the Bible also uses the word sanctification to explain the ongoing process of spiritual maturity, of growing in the Lord. Uh, this is the pursuit of holiness. This is the call of God upon our lives to continue growing. Uh, what we call discipleship, that is continuing to continually growing in our understanding of truth and implementing that in our life, the outflow of that. So 
So the initial sanctification, and there was a little discussion this morning in Sunday school about, uh, you know, sort of the, uh, somebody gets, gets wet, gets baptized, but uh, their life doesn't reflect it. That means that maybe they, maybe they did, maybe they didn't experience that initial sanctification, that redemption, that forgiveness of sins, but did not pursue the ongoing sanctification uh, of cleansing and, and renewal. All right, so the Bible teaches that at that initial uh, juncture of sanctification, the Holy Spirit moves in with you. In, the, in other places in the Bible, we learn that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we also read that the Spirit lives in our hearts. Now, obviously, we know in religious language, we're not talking about our physical hearts but we're talking about our spirit, our soul, our, what the Bible often calls heart. So now, you know, so we see our first scripture here, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So y'all, we've got to go fast. And, and so just if you'll, if you'll forgive me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to move through this because I know I have a sharp group that can stay with me on this. But... Uh, the Bible is calling us holy. Now, when someone says holy, you think of a monk out in the wilderness or uh, no interaction with anything that would make him dirty. When someone says holy, most of us, I'm going to assume, don't think of ourselves. Um, Hebrews says we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now, I want to... You know, we're friends. I'm going I'm to preach. I want to talk straight to you. If the Bible says we're holy, we need to step into that. We need to live into that. We need to accept that. Part, part of the ongoing process of sanctification is receiving the truth that God has for us. Part of what happens here at worship is not to just come and hear things that we already agree with and, and go, oh yeah, well, that's right, amen. But it's also to be challenged with things that maybe we're uncomfortable with. And one of those things might be the pursuit and, re and receiving of holiness. Yes, holiness is something that we want to achieve or pursue in our lives, not achieve, but, but pursue direction, not perfection. But it's also something that we need to receive. That initial holiness God has provided for us. So, so here's what that means. It is a status. It is not an achievement. It is a position. God has made you holy apart from anything that we do. Anybody with me? All right. This is a position. God has decided this is you. You are in a position of holiness. That's what the scripture is teaching there. You say, you say well, I can't be holy. I'm a mess. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We all are. But sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Continually cleansing, redeeming, and shaping. Holiness is not getting there. Holiness is going there. So maybe your faith story is uh, you grew up in the church, then you drifted away and you came back. Or maybe your faith story is that you grew up in the church, never left. But there is maybe a sense of uh, apathy or maybe settled into a religious routine. Jesus doesn't call us to keep rules. He calls us to relationship. And he knew 
And listen, this is important. He knew we couldn't pursue holiness on our own. So he has declared us holy. That is, uh, that is in the sense of once I was unsaved, once I was living in darkness, once I was separated from him, but once Christ came into my life, he declared me holy. But he also, in the scripture, calls us to, to holiness. Uh, John 14, Jesus knows he's going to soon face death. He's teaching his intimate group of followers, and he says, Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me. I will leave you, but I will be back to get you. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Jesus gives you an advocate, someone who stands beside you and pleads your case. Someone that's encouraging you and pulling for you. Uh, all through this pandemic, but, but really in the last decade, um, with uh, young people, but also with folks of all ages, this week I read an article on why men are so lonely. Loneliness has been identified as the number one emotion of the last few years, especially through the isolation of uh, the pandemic. But when you are a disciple of Jesus, you are not alone. He says, All of this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Spirit of God is stirring up the scriptures within you which you have learned. He reminds you of the promises of God. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus knows the world is always going to be a crazy place. <laughs> this is where you would say, Amen. <laughs> yeah, okay. But you have the Holy Spirit, so we do not operate in fear. So here's what, here's what we're going to spend just a few minutes on. God does His part, and we do our part. And this is important, because this is where sometimes it gets confusing. God does His part through the whole work of the Holy Spirit, but we also do our part. So there's a partnership. Philippians 2, and this is, this is a tough scripture. Philippians 2, work out your salvation in fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. Now, just those two sentences are a whole lot of theology. Some of your cousins go to churches that believe that God does all the work, and you just, you just sort of show up, and it's however you're born, and if you're born under the covenant, then, well, that, you hit the lottery, and then if you didn't get in the covenant, <laughs> tough going to hell and uh you know it's just sovereignty of god complete and you, you have nothing to do it other groups you go to it feels like you're doing most of the work and that you just ask god to bless um, do you ever pray like that god i'm thinking about this situation and here's how i think we ought to do this amen <laughs> right if you would just bless it i've i've analyzed this spent a lot of time thinking about it. if you just there's two parts to this. God is doing his part, and you're doing your part. Listen to the scripture. With fear and trembling, work out your own salvation. 
But there's another sentence right after that. If you just saw that sentence, like lots of people just pull one thing out of the Bible. If you just saw it, work out your own salvation. You're like, oh my gosh, man, I'm working hard, but last week was good. But man, two weeks ago it was a mess. And so I'm just, I'm in, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. The scripture does not teach that either. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then the very next sentence is, don't you know that it is God that it, who is at work in you? So you are not by yourself as you're working this out. But y'all, God created us. We're made in the image of God. We have brains. I mean, that, that telescope, that picture of the universe, humans invented that. God created us with incredible brains. Some of you understand physics. Some of you understand trigonometry. Some of you, for heaven's sakes, understand Bitcoin. I mean, there, you know, God has created us with this incredible capacity to analyze and think. And so in our faith, we do not leave that. We do not walk away from that. But he expects us to utilize that. Work out your own salvation. In other words, when you go to church and you're a scripture, don't just get in the car and go, they did that song too fast and he did that verse too slow and they didn't do it. When you get in the car, you start saying, what does God want me to do? What does this scripture mean for my life? What does that mean for me today and tomorrow? What does Monday look like in light of the truth that I just learned? I need to work out my salvation. Not working for my salvation, not hoping that God will save me, you know, and I'll have more good marks than I have bad marks. That's terrible theology. But work out your salvation in that you are not a zombie. You are, you are not just being, this is not a cosmic chess game. You play a role in your relationship. And for many of us in our earthly relationships, we don't want to have to play a role because it means stepping up. It means, okay, look, you're in this, husband. You're part of this. You can't just be passive all the time and, and, and be angry. Husbands and wives, uh, parents and children, uh, work relationships, work it out. You're in this. Step in. It's not just go in church and go, well, the, the preacher, you know, and uh, okay, okay, okay. Another sermon. I felt another sermon coming on, and I could tell by your faces you're hanging in with this one, but uh, may not be another one. So uh, let, let, let's talk about this. The ongoing process of sanctification. You know, we, we, we begin with that initial point of meeting Jesus, of, rep of faith, repentance, baptism, and that uh, your baptism is the uh, buried into Christ, raised to walk a new life. Buried into Christ, raised to walk a new life. But also when you get baptized, it's not just your body, and it's not just your salvation, but our opinions, our worldview is baptized. Hang on, buckle up. So when I'm watching TV and I'm going, what is the world, this idiot? Now, my middle class... Middle-class Dan thinks that this guy's crazy. Middle-class Dan, oh boy, mm. man, mm. here we go. Don't quit giving to Christian City. Okay. Uh, Middle-class Dan feels threatened by people coming from other countries. Biblical Dan understands that you leave a little extra corn in the field 
after you've gotten yours so that the migrant can have something to eat. Uh, middle class Dan thinks the guy at the, uh, down at the exit ramp needs to get a job. But when I put on my Jesus glasses, my question is, what happened to this guy? What kind of father did he not have? What kind of home did he grow up in? We see these kids at Christian City every day, every day. We had a little girl the other day, 12 years old, and we had this whole, we had a youth group there, and they were serving, and the kids were all hanging out, and one of the youth sponsors came in and said, she's never had a birthday party. She's 12 years old. So they scrambled. The women were awesome, you know. All of a sudden, there were cupcakes where, I don't know, but all of a sudden, there were cupcakes, and we're all singing happy birthday, and this girl's acting like she's, oh, this is awful, but she loved it, you know? I mean, she's like, she's embarrassed because everybody's looking at her. But 12 years old, never had a birthday party. I say lovingly, a lot of us need to turn off the news. Not completely, but you don't need it all day. And I don't really care if a guy wrecked in Iowa. I mean, I hate it for him, and we'll all pray, but that stresses me out, and I don't need that. I don't need to know that. What am I saying? Our focus is on our relationship with the Lord. That doesn't mean we ignore what's going on in the world. We're called to be salt and light, but we are not called to dictate to the world how they operate. We are not called to dictate to our country how it operates. We are called to be salt and light in our place of work. We are called to be involved citizens, but... Um, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> this is close I'm going, close I'm going. But just know that our, our opinions are baptized along with our, with our, our bodies. Uh, uh, oh, I'll tell this story. It takes... Uh, I'll tell it fast. Okay, Ivan the Great was Tsar of Russia. He was single. His people came to him, and he was conquering half the world. His people came to him and said, you really need to, you need to get married so you can have a son, so you can have an heir, because if you die, this whole thing is going to fall apart. And he went, okay, well, y'all find somebody. So they went to Greece, and they found the daughter of the king of Greece, and the king of Greece said, oh, that's fine, come on. But um, you're going to have to get baptized because you've got to be in the Greek Orthodox Church. And the Tsar goes, okay. So the Tsar goes to Athens, and he also brings 500 of his soldiers with him. And the soldiers were so loyal, they were like, well, the Tsar, getting baptized we need to get baptized and they said fine but the priests go well we don't baptize soldiers because you're not supposed to kill when you're a christian and they said okay well let's figure this out and the czar worked it out and he met with the king of greece and they figured out this is what we'll do they, so they baptized all the soldiers but the soldiers held their sword arm out of the water <laughs> the modern equivalent of that today would be when i baptize people and they hold their billfold out that would be that would be kind of the same okay Y'all didn't think that was funny. Okay, I thought that was funny, but y'all didn't think that was funny. Uh, okay. Well, uh, my, my, my flesh says uh, this guy on TV is an idiot. The Spirit says pray for your enemies. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, I'm looking at my time, but I'm going to say this. 
No, I'm not. Okay. All right. So uh, let, let's, let's do that. We've talked about God's part. Let's do your part. First Thessalonians, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, right? Sanctified, set apart, holy, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Y'all are with me, right? You're listening, submitting yourselves to the teaching of the Scripture and not to Dan. Okay, love you. <laughs> Second Timothy, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Oh, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Let's say that together. No, I'm kidding. But don't have anything to do with foolish, stupid arguments. I see Christians talking about the apocalypse and end times, and that's fine. The Bible t t teaches that, and, and, we, and we want to look at that. But Jesus meets with his disciples as he is preparing to go back to heaven. So, y'all, he's in the final lap. And when you're in the final lap, I think, I'm getting a little closer to it. When you're in the final lap, you're thinking about what I say and what I do and legacy and things that matter. And here's what he says. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. So when the guy you watch on TV knows, turn him off. Because he don't know. Amen? Okay, okay. You don't have to agree with that, but you know, you're disagreeing with Jesus anyway. So. It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. But you will receive power. All right, so you see what's happening here? I like to control my universe, and if I can kind of know the times and dates, I have some sense of control because what a lot of us feel is a loss of control. That, that's at the core of a lot of our anger and how we vote and, and putting signs in there. A lot of it just has to do, I feel lack of control. The world's out of control. Everybody's going crazy. And if I could just have a little bit of power here, if I could have a little bit of control, and I think Jesus taps into this when he says, it's not for you to know. That, and, and matter of fact, he also says, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So Fred, you don't get to know. <laughs> All right, Barney, if I don't know, you don't get to know. All right. So if Jesus doesn't know, the rest of us need to move on. All right. But what he says is, it is not for you to know the dates and times, but you will have power. Why would he connect these two things? There's a reason. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What he's saying is, focus on the main thing. Now, y'all... You say, well, we're just this church here, out here, you know, we're not, we're not influential. And I would say this to the church of 5,000 or the church of 500, the church of 50, wherever, anywhere I have op opportunity, we are losing our voice because we are giving our voice to the minor things, the things that will pass away, to really nations pass away, princes will fall. But the word of the Lord is, stands forever. And we must focus on the main thing. 
And I'm telling you, if we were as passionate down at the end of our driveway talking to our neighbor as we were about lost people who will be going to hell, as we are about the next guy who's going to be a senator or a house representative or on the city council, if we were as animated, if our veins got big on our neck, as much about our, our concern for people who are hurting and separated from the peace of God as we did about God bring a revival to our nation. Revive, God doesn't revive... Doesn't, God doesn't bring revival to nations. Nations aren't people. Nations aren't in relationship with the Lord. Jesus Christ did not give his life for nations. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for individuals who are made in the image of God. Nations aren't made in the image of God. Okay, I know I've crossed the line. Okay, uh, but, but our relationship, God's relationship with us is not through a nation or a region or a state. It's, it's through Jesus Christ. In, in, okay, I'm, all right, okay, I'm done. Uh, Romans 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds on set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Just so you know, the word flesh often is translated a little... It's translated correctly, but our perception of it in English idiom seems to be more in a sexual kind of context. Uh, you know, we're drawn by the flesh and the power of the flesh. But actually, you can substitute world here. So, so let's go back and say, those who live, live according to the world, that is the priorities of the world, the conversations of the world, the structures of the world, have their minds set on what the world desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind. Does that, do you see a contrast there? It's not just that limited sort of sexual temptation thing, but it's the broader aspect of a worldview, a philosophy of if I'm, if I'm caught up in what the world thinks is important. Um, an, another teaching here is just podcast, radio, be careful who you listen to. The Bible teaches that often, be careful... <laughs> My favorite one is, I think the government wants to implant chips in our shoulders so they'll know where we are, and I want to go, they know where you are. <laughs> okay, if you're in the bathroom on Instagram, somebody knows, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so, like, dude, he's in the bathroom on Instagram. All right, so they know, they know, they know. Uh, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life. The Spirit of God gives life. So, y'all, we've got two more minutes, so I, I want to give you that so you'll know. Oh, okay, I'm back. Um, I'm back, I'm back. No more to-do lists for this week. Okay. What is he teaching? The Spirit gives life, and the Spirit gives power. We do not live in dread or fear. And I say lovingly and respectfully, if it is the end times, then praise God. Soon we will be, Maranatha, soon we will be with our King. And if it's not the end times, then Jesus has promised that he will leave us with an advocate, one who is going to interpret our prayers, who understands our inner workings, and who speaks to the Father on our behalf. So if we stay here, we win. If we go there, we win. Amen? Okay, so the church, the church must be, must be the folks who are not feeding in to, to this 
unhealthy mental health crisis of catastrophizing everything that happens to get off Twitter a little bit, to get off these, get out of the conversations where everything spirals down to catastrophe. Like every decision, you know, well, we're giving water to, we're paying for water in Flint, Michigan. It's the end of the world. Okay, y'all, you know what? Let's give water to Flint, Michigan. Their people are dying, okay? This is not, every decision, every vote, every, everything that happens is not the end of the world. And let me tell you something. We lose our credibility when we go to DEFCON 10 every time somebody says something we disagree with. In your neighborhood, in your social media, at your place of work, nobody cares about your opinion. God has not called you into the world for your opinion. God has called you to be an agent of His reconciliation. You are an ambassador of His grace into your place of work. That's your job there, not to make sure everybody knows how you feel about whatever, climate, nuclear, whatever. Okay, so for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Man, that's it right there. I want to show you this last picture. Uh, six siblings. I mean, it was sound of music. I, I told them they should get some drapes and make clothes for everybody because uh, anybody 50 and up gets that. Okay. Uh, they were living in four different, six siblings, they were living in four different foster homes. And one of the ways, one of the directions we've gone at Christian City is to specialize in siblings. Nobody calls DFACS and says, please send us three three brothers and sisters. They want one kid. So we're, we're looking for foster families, kids with special needs, uh, kids with medical needs, and siblings. These are the hardest to place for defects. And if you feel led to that, God might be speaking to you right now. But this is so awesome. I mean, they were, this is a, a little bit older, but the 6 to 14. And, um, and uh, they were, I can't even tell you the, the situations they were in. They were Woods, man, I'm telling you. And the family, every time they just kept moving to get away from the authorities. But finally, they were able, and actually, uh, the mom w worked for us and adopted all these kids. Uh, and, and this is what God does for us. That, that's the point of that, is that what God does for us. Is it. And, and listen, the adoption that the Scripture teaches is not the adoption we understand where somebody that's not our blood relative lives in our home and they take our name. We are grafted into the family. The Scripture, what that means theologically, is we are grafted into God's family. We are part of His family. So in, this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Okay, so um, I feel like I've been rough on you, so I want to I pray, and I'll, I'll give it back to Jeff. But, um, yeah, let me, let me just do that. Let me just do Lord God, we, we uh, come before you, we bow before you. Thank you. I thank you for these wonderful people who have endured this, and, and hopefully... Have, have heard scriptures, Father, that have pierced their hearts. 
Father, it's so easy for us to get burdened down with the worries of the world, and we, we watch too much, we hear too much, we experience so much. There's so much pain. Every day at Christian City, we see kids coming with garbage bag full of just everything they own to find somebody that's going to say, we love you, you're made in the image of God, you matter, you've got a future. Father, this is what you do with us. We come to you with our garbage bag full of stuff that we cling to and think it gives us some kind of power or status. And we come and we bring it to you and you say you matter. You're made in the image of God. You, you have a future and you are loved. Father, we come here every week to hear and be reminded through the remembrance of the cross, we are loved, we matter. Thank you for Jeff. I thank you for his leadership. Peyton, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the partnership. And Father, may lives continue to be touched by the commitment uh, expressed here in, through ongoing sanctification, devoting ourselves to the pursuit of holiness through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.